I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Clint Turner. Clint is a land investor, which is actually a first for this show and I'm super excited to uh, to learn myself and, and uh, I'm sure he's gonna provide a lot of value for all of the listeners as well. So thank you, Clint, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you would, could you just kind of maybe start start from the beginning, let us know how you got your start in into real estate in general, some of your background, and then and we'll kind of, I'm sure I'm going to have lots of questions for you about <laughs> land investing. So so let's hear a little bit about you first, if you would. Yeah, sure. Um, I was listening to the intro to your podcast, like as I was getting ready to hop on here, and I love just the theme of it, of like knowing your why. That's a big thing we talk about is like, I feel like everything stems from vision. So just right. props to that. I liked your intros. Thank good. you. Um, <clears throat> no, yeah, I'm uh, I'm 27. Um, I graduated college six years ago, seven years ago, something to that effect. Um, and uh, I went through, got an engineering degree, kind of followed the, the path of what my parents wanted me to do and, you know, all those things. Um, I am <laughs> not an engineer. I'm an engineer, I guess, by um certification but i'm definitely not an engineer like as far as um where my natural tendencies sit so i actually went into a sales role in the engineering world and then um you know that's kind of really where i was like okay this is about the end of the corporate road for me (laughs) like that's about as far as i want to go um you know i've always been very entrepreneurial the kind of classic story of the you know selling things and flipping things as a kid i actually um I used to fix iPhones like when they first came out, they were a lot easier to take apart and fix when people would break their screens and right. stuff. So all the way through high school, I would like fix everyone's phones. So it's like always been very entrepreneurial. Um, I came out and I moved to Austin. Uh, I went to school in Oklahoma, moved here. And that's when I was, you know, in the, in the thick of it with engineering sales, which, you know, definitely taught a lot, but was not my final stop. So I started looking into, okay, how can I, you know, become financially free? How can I make money? All the things. And um, I actually started placing ATMs in places that didn't have ATMs. (laughs) That was my first like real business that I think gave me some sort of traction. Um, and I was doing that for a while and, you know, it's, it was really hard for me to get my, like my why or my vision around placing ATMs. Um, and just on a random podcast at one point I'd heard about land and I thought it was really, really interesting how they were describing it. And so I bought a course and I followed the steps and, you know, all of a sudden I had done this deal where I could probably spend around $300 in expenses to find the deal. And I acquired the property. It was a five acre property in kind of the middle of Colorado, two and a half, three hours from Denver. And it's five acre property. I paid $900 for it. No utilities. I know. Yeah. 900. Like okay. okay. <laughs> I want to make sure I heard that. Go ahead. There's, there's a ton of these like paper subdivisions where somebody took 
thousands of acres or hundreds of acres or whatever and just cut it into these little blocks and sold them off 50, 100 years ago, whatever it is, before there was maybe a little more oversight on it. Um, so there's all this inventory out there. Anyway, that course I took points you towards those. And so I bought a property for $900, another $300 probably in uh, marketing for it. And I sold that property for $1,500 down. So I got 1500 bucks back. And then I was getting $250 a month for five years. And I had, and with land, when you sell a land note, I'm not a big believer in the passive income world. Like <laughs> it takes a lot of active income to really generate passive income. Sure. And, but it's the closest thing there is. The passive income is like, you sell this note and now somebody's paying you X amount for however long. And I was just like baffled by it. Cause one of my ATMs might've made like 90, $80 a month, sometimes a couple hundred. But this one was generating 250 a month, like clockwork, no expenses, didn't have to do, like it was all paid back. And the switch just kind of flipped for me then. Um, and since then I've just run and done all sorts of different land deals and kind of brought me to where we are now. That's that's really cool. I mean, like I said, I knew I was gonna have a lot of questions, but <laughs> now I have even more questions. Um, I, wanna, I wanna ask you first a little bit about the, the ATM thing. It, like, ATM investing, uh, land deals, these aren't the normal things or like quote unquote normal, right? They're, you know, people people talk about real estate in general as sort of a non-traditional investment, which I feel like seems like a weird name for it. But, But I do think you could probably point to ATM or land sales, land deals as truly non-traditional or just just not what, what people think of at least first but you started with atm how did you how did you get introduced to that the atms again you know it's just like when you're in that that mindset of like holy cow i'm like i just know i need to get out of this job right for some people it's kind of you know and i don't know how to describe this like some people just treat that that urge and just kind of let it sit in them and not like for me I was young, I wasn't married, anything at the time. And I was like, anything where I can go make $10,000 a month is like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to focus on. Yeah. And I'd read about ATMs at one point and like, don't get me wrong. It is probably, I, I don't know what the future of the ATM world is, but it definitely made money. But I just never got super excited about it. Like negotiating with a with a coin laundry place on a profit split on ATM was just like, it was just draining, you know? Um, and so, you know, that was the path I was going and I was just working towards that number. I wanted to get to 10K, I wanted to get to 10K. Um, and, you know, it, so now I found ATMs, I did it and then land came up. It was kind of just serendipitous. There's no perfect, like, like I wish there was like a perfect, oh, I read this book and I became inspired and did this. And it was just like this idea of, man, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure out how to get out of this job. Whether I'm like, whether one of my friends, he's in the same, the same realm right now. And he started a business. That's kind of the thing nobody else wants to do where you pick up dog poop, right? Yep, yep. He grew that business to 10K like that. Right. And so I just think the world kind of pointed me there um, and land was something where I was like, oh, wow, there's like for there's been demand forever for land and there will be demand forever. Um, There's not a ton of players in the space versus like multifamily where there's a ton. Right. 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 And the whole thing. And it just kind of all lined up for me. And I did the first deal and the second and they just keep going, going and going. 
Um, and so I sold the ATMs. I had like 12 and I just sold them off to another ATM operator in the area. And then I just hundred percent focused on land. So if you said $900 for five acres, uh -huh. that, that, yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so, I mean, that sounds, I live in Los Angeles. I, I grew up in Boston. I like, that sounds yeah. like insanity to me. Um, I know there are cheaper places to live, but I never would have thought there was any place still you could get nine. And it, like, you're young. This is, you were not talking about like, oh, I started this 40 years ago and got it yeah. for $900. Like, this is not very long ago. So, I mean, how, how did you, I know you said you took a course. How did you kind of come across that? How did that process? You said that, that it's, it's kind of, I forget the term you said, paper, uh, like a paper subdivision. Yeah. How, how does that, how does that work? How did you kind of get, come across that? Yeah. So there, you know, as with every asset class, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Right. And there's a bunch of different product types and there's a bunch of whether you're value add, you're flipping, you're wholesaling, whatever. So there's a lot of different types of land. And I kind of break it up into three like buckets, if you will. There's rural just rural recreational this is like two plus hours away from a city often going to have no infrastructure no power no water no sewer no nothing right so that's that kind of property where it's just really other than the dream of like i own five acres right and i can go camp on it or i can go if the nuclear war happens i can go like camp out on my five acres yeah, right? yeah. um that's about the usability of it and then there are what I call urban recreational, which is much closer to us to a city like a Dallas or an Austin or an LA, where you can get to your property in 45 minutes, 60 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever it is, right? That property carries some more value to it, some more usability. So the prices are going to be drastically different, right? Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's land like infill stuff in the city for development, things to that effect. It's kind of where I classify super, super rural urban rule near the cities and then just development type land. And so that property is one type of this business where you can go find, like people will take, you know, a section of land of 640 acres. Now it's not as easy to do this, but in, you know, 50 years ago, you could just go more or less draw out what you want that actually to turn into and just go to the county. And now that's what it is, right? And there's actually some really interesting like pieces of art that I found in like thrift stores and antique stores. I've seen things as far back as 1907 where people were doing this, the same exact model where they go and they paper cut up land. And like during the gold rush, when people were out, you know, doing the gold rush things, they would sell these on the trails. They say, you can buy this hundred acre track. You can buy these 200 acre tracks. It's only, I don't know, I don't know the exact numbers, like $5 down now and you pay a few dollars a month or whatever the currency you know, equivalents were back then. And so this has been a thing for a very, very long time, um, but that kind of land is just not very usable, right? So if you think about getting, like think of the owner who gets that piece of land, grandpa dies and they have this five acre thing that they can't even find because oftentimes it's challenging just to be like, okay, it says it's here, but how do I actually go find that, right? They just want nothing to do with it. And so, you know, you go out and buy it from them for 900 bucks, thousand bucks, whatever. And there are plenty of people who are like, man, I'd love a place in Colorado to go park my RV for two weeks, 
right? Or I'd love a place to go camping. Or I'd love a place where like there's a there's a huge homesteading off grid community. I'd love a place to go, um, you know, dig my septic and put my solar panels and just live completely off the grid out in the middle of nowhere. There's a, there's a large demand. People just don't know it. Um, and so that is one section of it. And I didn't know it either. I was just following steps and just kind of went through it. And I was like, oh, cool, it works, right? Now I'm making money. Um, and I did that for for quite a while and then have kind of grown into some some bigger deals now these days. Okay. So how did you find it? How did how um, you that, source? And I, I'm, I'm, maybe it's evolved, but I mean, how did yeah. you find the first one? And then kind of what, what's been the evolution of your, of your deal finding? Yeah. So direct mail works really well with land just because the demo is often that 55 plus 60 plus owner. Right. And I will definitely say 2000 and 16 versus 2021 22 direct mail was significantly more effective back then there's been a lot more people doing this since then um so but yeah that deal was just through direct mail i think i sent like a thousand postcards out and i got an overwhelming amount of calls back <laughs> like 15 i was like i don't have enough money for all these deals i just picked the best one i could find out and did it okay. um so it yeah it was direct mail then it still is direct mail but with multi-touches, you know, text messages and phone calls and things yep. of that. And so you found it, you bought it for, this still like blows my mind, $900. And then you sold it for $1,500. Were, were you leasing it or this, you, you essentially carried the note for whoever bought it from you? Yeah, it's called a land contract is what we okay. saw it on most of the time. Um, if it's a larger note, we'll do a deed of trust just because that's more traditional. But a land contract means the deed stays in my name, right? And so if anybody stops paying me, I don't have to go foreclose on it. They've just simply violated a contract, right? Okay. And they have, no longer have an interest in it. So we sell it on a land contract. They pay you the down payment, and then you set them up on a monthly payment service. Um, and yeah, that deal, you know, <clears throat> we would like we would sell that deal probably for $3,000 cash. But nobody even wants to pay that cash, right? Or four thousand or whatever. So we would just be the bank. Because the funny thing is, people don't understand, is it's really hard unless your just personal financials are there to get the bank to give you money for land. Okay. The, the bank doesn't like to do non-recourse debt on land. It's like all recourse, all you baby. Like if you can't pay it, like we're coming after you. We're not taking the land back, right? Gotcha. And so that eliminates a massive buyer pool with bad credit with no money you know whatever the case may be yeah and so it gives us the chance to say hey if i i was going to sell that property for four thousand but you can just give me fifteen hundred down and i'll carry the 250 bucks a month so now i end up making you know 12 or thirteen thousand on that over time and it's just cash flow that comes in okay did you have to do anything to the land or you're just straight up it sat there you essentially moved it on to someone else yeah, exactly. We've done like 600 deals now and I have gone to about 15 of them. And that's only because in the last couple of years, we've gotten into some bigger developments. And so I go visit those and I look right. at those, but all of the flips, you know, I live in Austin. The first area I was doing this was Colorado. So I definitely did not drive to Colorado for this $900 clunker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we rarely, you know, we rarely do anything, rarely step on it, rarely value that. Now there is a whole section, a whole niche that is that, yeah. but for that kind now. Okay. So you're not going in there and sort of 
prepping them for people to build on. You're just, here's this piece of land I bought. Here's what I'll sell it to you for. And did you, when you buy them, you said you're, you're, you're sort of tracking down the deals with direct mail. Are you then marketing them or are there are people kind of just also looking for deals and they come find you? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie and say it's like, a, like I was looking at land deals this morning and a storage deal came in and I was like, holy cow, that's a rock star storage deal. And I was like hoping that it had somehow not hit the right mark, you know, not hit the right marketing channels that I could call and maybe pick it up. And I called her and it was already like under contract. And <laughs> so it's not like that kind of deal where it's like, even if you mess up where you post it, it's just going to have insane demand. It's a lot less people that really want that piece of, you know, piece of rare, you know, for the most part, unusable land in the middle of nowhere. Right. That's really what these things are. Non-maintained dirt roads, just five acre square. You don't really even know which, which five acres is yours. Honestly, right. just GPS and hope. Um, so for those, not as much. So you moved, you, you said you've moved on to sort of bigger deals. How, tell me about that. Like what, what your evolution was, you know, that sounds like the first one was, I mean, sounds like almost free. It's like, it's like basically free money. Um, but you, then I'm sure as the deals get bigger, it's a little bit harder of a story and you know, there's a lot more involved. So, so maybe talk to us about that. What, what, what has been the, the yeah. kind of process? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I did a lot. I mean, again, I was young and it was the first thing that I was like clicking and money was coming into my account. And then within 12, well, I quit my job in nine months and then I quickly realized, oops, I don't think I should have quit my job yet. And I went and got a job for six months and then I haven't worked <laughs> since then, but well, I haven't worked with somebody else that is, I've worked quite a bit. Um, so yeah, you know, it kind of evolved into bigger stuff. That's what worked at the time. And I was young and dumb and just like refused to adapt, like to change, to do anything. I was like, this right, works. Right. I'm just going to maximize it. And so we did that for a few years and built that portfolio up to where it would pay us, you know, it still does to this day pay. It really depends on the month on who pays, who doesn't, who pays extra. Cause we're a bank at the end of the day, it's like you yeah. owe us 10 grand. Some people, sometimes people will pay an extra thousand or 2000 or whatever. So we do like 40 to 60 grand a month on that portfolio. That took me three years to build. But one thing I was seeing from that is like, okay, I quit my job. I had a little bit of income coming in, but past that, the mechanics, the financials of it kind of prevented you from, you know, let's say scaling to a few million dollars, right? Because I, like I tell those people all the time, <clears throat> those kind of land notes are just a high yield savings account. It's a massive yielding savings account, almost infinity sometimes if you get all your money back up front. But savings accounts are slow, right? And so when you're making 30K a month, but there's all these moving parts and deeds and filing and title companies and closing, that starts to go quick with marketing dollars and with team and with all that kind of stuff. And so I saw as I was scaling, I was like, well, this is going to be a lot harder model to scale, right? Scaling, making a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars here, the notes. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy I did it. It got me to where I am. But um, I kind of just went on an exploration at some point. I'm like, okay, what are the other... Like what is what are other people doing? What else is out there? And I just quickly learned that for the same reason that somebody doesn't have, like you have to kind of separate 
like if you're calling, say you're cold calling to flip a house, find a house to flip or something like that. Well, somebody has a real attachment because they either live in that house. There's just a lot more attachment, like emotional attachment. Yeah, sure. With a piece of land or, or you know, you can say the same thing about um, apartments or storage or whatever, right? There's just a lot of attachment to that asset, like emotional. When you're talking about land, like sometimes the stuff just gets passed down and people just don't care, don't give a flying a flying flip about it, right? And so you can do the same thing in a lot of different levels of this market. You can find a property that's worth 200,000 and a seller just literally doesn't care about it. And a few years ago, a realtor told him that's worth 110 grand and you call them and they want 110 and you know you can go sell it for 200 and boom, boom, you buy it, you close it, you make 100 grand right? Or somewhere in there. So I found that it's like, I can do this same mechanic with just extra zeros on the end. And there's less deals. There's more marketing. It's a little more of a pain. The small deals are easy, man. Like anybody can get in and crank out 10 of those a month with just some caffeine, really. But with the bigger ones, there's just less of a pool, more players. And so it just takes really, really, really consistent marketing. But we can talk about that. Anyway, it's just like, I saw the evolution of it's really tough to scale to, you know, let's call it multiple millions of dollars with 300 here, 400 here, a thousand here. You really need those deals where you make 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, right? And so uh, around that two or three year mark, I started going down this journey of how do I add some of these deals in with more zeros on? And that's a little more of what we're doing these days. Okay. So how did you? What, what was that process? I, I guess without giving away your <laughs> proprietary secrets or whatever, but yeah, that you said it's it's easy to do the small deals, and I, and I probably I think you're maybe understating how much work you put in, but in in the end, I I would imagine you know the, the bigger ones are probably a little bit more work on a per deal basis, but overall. It's probably less work for more return. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of the yeah. same thing with with multifamily. It's like you can do a bunch of ten and twenty unit deals, but each of those is almost as much work as doing a two hundred unit deal, and you have ten times as many units. So it's kind of yeah. like I, I assume it's a similar thing. So I mean, you, you said it's, it has a lot to do with marketing. So do you market differently for those big deals than you do with the small ones? How do you approach that? Well, to answer your first question, yes, it is more work probably than I put out there or than I give myself credit for or whatever. But with the small deals, it's like you're 100% correct. It's the it's virtually the same amount of work. And you even said something. I was like, <laughs> like hold on. It really is. Like I can flip a $200,000 property with less effort, honestly, than a $2,000 or a 10,000 or 20. Because a lot of times with those small properties, it doesn't make sense to pay a title company because it costs so much. And so you have to learn to do the deed transfers and more mechanics. Right. $200,000 deal to just pass that bad boy on to the right. attorney or the title company. They <laughs> so take care someone of can have a job and do that for right. you. Yeah. But it's somebody who has less um, maybe experience or has less of that like stick to itness, if you will. I don't know if that's the right word. Because whenever you get into doing these bigger deals, it's like you could go to Southern Colorado across like the bottom five counties and just on whatever your tool is, circle it and see how many vacant land parcels. And there's probably 
150,000 of them. So you had 150,000 people who own more or less worthless land in the middle of nowhere. There's a real big chance you're going to hit somebody in that pool that you can just work a deal with, right? Yep. Versus when I get 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 30 minutes from Austin, whole different conversation, right? Less deal just circle around Austin and I can just spoil it for you about 40 within the 45 minute radius. There's like 1200 really solid deals, right? Maybe a little more, but we're pretty strict on our criteria. So the marketing then turns from how do I go try and reach five or 10 or 15,000 people to how do I get these 1200 people to call me back? Right. Right. And that's where a lot of people will have problems in the beginning is because you just punch after punch after punch in the stomach of no you're a low baller no that price isn't blah 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 blah. versus when you're doing the smaller deals it's like a lot like the the yes to no ratio is much much lower sure right or higher i guess the ratio would be um and so that's kind of where it's the same mechanic it's the absolute same thing right we try and buy at a 30 40 percent plus discount to market right and it's pretty, I mean, it's very doable. You can go buy a $200,000 parcel for 150000 or whatever it is, right? There's a discount. Pretty easy to do. But with, um, there's just less of them, right? And so it's harder for somebody. There's more no's. There's a longer time frame until you actually see the deal go full cycle. Whereas the smaller deals, it's like, it's like small dopamine hits all the time. Boop, 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 win, little win, little win, little win, little win. Yeah. And so it's easy to get going with them. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, it all, I, I think it, it really just comes down to scaling. You kind of mentioned that in the beginning, like it's, it's at some point, it's like, do I want to work, you know, a thousand times <laughs> or work a little bit harder 50 times for kind of the same reward and it's just yeah it's definitely it seems like a scaling issue but in the in the supply and demand I mean it all makes total sense and it it, I think really doesn't sound like it's that different from sort of any other sort of scalable business or real estate or whatever it is it's just let you know it's sometimes you feel better about getting started with the smaller deals because you're going to get those yeses like you said more often it's just that positive reinforcement and then okay now i'm going to go after the big ones i got to get a little tougher skin but in the end when i do get a yes it's going to be it's going to be worth it would you would you agree that that's also the big ones just say yeah it's like they also take more follow-up right they take a little bit more of knowing your stuff, right? You can mess. I, I've told people on those small deals, it's crazy because everyone's like, you've not, like, you're not a real businessman until you've been sued or you're not a real investor until you've lost money on a deal. And for like three and a half, four years, I never had lost money on a deal. Yeah. And I had come close a couple of times, but it cut even made a little bit. But in those small land deals, the risk is relatively zero, right? right? It's higher when you get into, you know, because land is a speculative play. That's why banks don't finance against it unless you're going to personally guarantee it. And that's a that's a uh, not an exact statement, but it's kind of an overarching statement. So um, I don't know where the exact question was going there, but uh, yeah, there's it, it, it's easier to do the small ones. So I tell people all the time, like I have a friend right now. He's um, he I don't know his exact number, but I think he owns like 20 between duplexes and fourplexes, something like that. 
And he, I was on a skiing trip with him a couple of weeks ago and he's like, yeah, I'm selling every single one of them this year and <laughs> just going to bigger deals, right? Because yep. he's got one storage deal that's made half of that portfolio, you know, the same amount, half that, right. and, you know, that kind of deal. So it's just, it's just your evolution. Some people have the thick skin and they want to go in and do that million dollar deal first thing, right? Yep. That's like, good, that's fine. Just strap on the 18 month timeline because that's what it's going to take to get it done, right? Yep. Yep. Versus that's the exactly three month yeah 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 i mean it's yeah it's you're 100 percent right it's just it, I, i've you know sort of realized that pretty quickly in in multifamily it's like you hear what you hear about is people are like oh close another deal close another deal close another deal but what what you don't necessarily hear about is it took those people you know a year 18 months two years to get the first one and then it was like yeah then you build momentum and it gets easier and i'm, I'm sure it's the same you know as a as a land buyer, you're, you're, there's less competition. And so you're, you're probably like, I'm sure people that want to sell their land, they know you right now, they know who you are, they can, you know, you start to build those connections like you would in, in any other business. And then, you know, they know, hey, here's a guy that'll <laughs> take yeah. this off my hands and, and kind of, and so you're, you're not doing any of the entitlement or now you are now you're kind of getting into the you know sort of development side of things yeah so just natural progression has taken me towards some deals like that um, and just one one little data point i want to share with you that i hope your listeners get value from we pulled all of our deals for the last two years and i looked at just in our system how many contact attempts did it take to get this deal under contract and it was funny about half of them fell in attempts one through five, right? Where like you hit the right person, right time, right number, boom, contract signed. Yeah. It was actually like 40%. The other 60%, 15 to 50 contact attempts in order to get it. And I just like, I like to share that with people all the time is like, mm -hmm. when you leave, like when you stop after attempt four, you're actually leaving about 60% of deals on the table. And so that's a huge thing that I teach and talk about is like, dude, like I can tell you if you've been doing any sort of real estate investing for call it 18 months, 12 months, there's one, at least one, probably more deals sitting in your, we call it back burner in our, it's like when a deal goes quiet, right? Yep. Guarantee if you pull those out and work follow up on them, there's another deal or two in there. Um, so anyway, just a little interesting point I thought I'd tell you. Um, yeah, going into the bigger deals uh, just kind of happened, honestly. There's the saying, I'm sure you've heard it, it's like buy land, they're not making any more of it. I like, I want to come up with this marketing spin that you can actually create more land that people don't get is because like, say you're in Austin, right? Because that's where I live. So I know the numbers pretty well. Six, within 60 minutes of Austin, and it gets higher as you get closer, but say within 60 minute drive, land's gonna cost you probably at a minimum 20,000 an acre, probably closer to like 25,000 an acre, okay? And so if you look and you see all these 100, 200, 500 acre tracks, well, like you're looking at a minimum two and a half million dollars to buy that property. And again, the bank's not gonna finance it based on the asset, because it's gonna appraise way lower than what it's actually trading at. And so the bank's not going to finance, it's going to be recourse. And so a lot of people aren't going to want to buy it, or they just physically don't have two and a half million dollars to go buy that property. Well, what we'll do is we'll go out and find those 
and we will cut them up simply, right? And we will actually create that inventory that people can't afford. You can't afford 10 acres at 30,000 an acre. That's 300,000. Whether I finance it or the bank finances it, whoever, if you're in a medium high income bracket, you can definitely afford that. But 300 versus 3 million is a huge spread, Yeah. right? Yeah. So I did my first deal. We, we bought a property near Austin. Uh, we paid, it was like 13,000 an acre is what we got off for. Found it off market. Like, I think there was 14 or 19 heirs or something. It was kind of like crazy, big family trust. We had to get everybody on board yeah. and we did. And they all signed and boom, on the way. Um, so we bought that property for like 1.3. Uh, it had a lot of existing road frontage. We don't ever pave. <clears throat> so like the value adds we'll, we will do are mostly paper, like rezoning, replattings, subdividing we call it a minor land split is where you get to bypass all of the regulations that subdivisions require right so like in texas for example you can take 100 acres and as long as each parcel is 10 acres or larger and you're outside of city limits you can just basically with no stamps of approval just get that thing cut up into whatever size 10 acres plus i can just hand it to the county here's the new survey here's the 10 new lots and there's no like county commissioner telling me like, yes, no, rezone this, that. It's like, no, it's just done. And that changes state by state. Yeah. But so in Texas, I'm sure that I'm, wouldn't be the case in California. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there'd be some far higher level of regulation on that. Yeah. There's like this whole, you have to get this, like some super niche insurance policy and demonstrate like two years of professionalism in the yeah. space before they'll give you a license to like electronically file something. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Texas, I could just like pay some hundred, like pay a hundred dollars and now I can file anything I want in any county. Yeah. It's crazy. But um, so yeah, we got into those. We bought that deal for about one, three, 13,000 an acre, hundred acres. And again, the development is very light. So just legal work, surveys, that kind of stuff, 50,000. And we put about 100,000 into clearing one easement right away so we could get more lots. So we'll call it all in for 15,000 an acre. And we sold through that property at an average of like 27.5, 27.5. So we're in for 1.5, out for 2.7. Um, and what we did is we just bought an, like an asset that wasn't really available for a lot of people to afford, broke it down, created that inventory. No, it's not brand new land, but that's what I, you know, right. I'll figure out how to market that someday, right? It's a new type of inventory. You're creating what the market can can absorb. Um, and I did one of those deals and I was a partner in it. Like I didn't have all the money to do it, but still I made it like four or $500,000. So I was like, oh, that's like what I made like the last year doing this other, like I got to do more of these. Right. And so then it's kind of grown from there and we do a lot of that kind of stuff now. Yeah. It makes it, it makes me think of a stock split. Like, like Google's about to do a stock split. Right. And they're like, it's like a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a share. They're going 20 to one. Like all of a sudden people are going to be like, yes, I can afford to buy Google stock, even though it's ex worth exactly the same amount in terms of the value of the company. It's just <laughs> now you have accessibility to mm -hmm. people that, that originally could. I mean, I'm like, I'm buying some Google stock. I didn't buy any before. And it's just like, even just that perception of here's this more affordable land, supposedly, exactly. but it's it's like 
they're actually paying more for it than they would have had they bought it for bought the hundred acres. So, yeah. uh, no, I, I mean, it's a fantastic strategy. It makes, makes total sense. Um, that's very cool. Have you gotten into building anything on it or you're, you're more still just kind of splitting that out for, for developers or people looking to build lots or build houses? No, man, I just don't like dealing with people that much. <laughs> so, so no, we haven't. There's a couple properties that I've eyed. Um, there's actually one that I bought and I've just kept for myself um, because I it's a great site for a storage or like a fourplex kind of development kind of deal. Yeah. There's sometimes I come across those and like I'm going through trying to get a personal mortgage right now for a house, which is it's crazy. I can go to the bank and they'll give me two million dollars for land like that, but I can't get a freaking five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah, it's, it's actually harder. <laughs> I know it's insane. Like we're digging way into the books. I'm like, wow, I didn't know we needed to do that anyway. Um, where I was going with that was no, we haven't built anything yet. Um, I do like storage is where I'm dumping a lot of the cash I make because land. Let me like it sounds all rosy and perfect right now. One thing land does not give you is any sort of depreciation. <laughs> You're like right. pretty much short-term cap games on just about everything you do. And there's some fancy ways to do it to get that down, but there's no depreciation, right? And right. so um, that's the downside of it. If I make $3 million in land this year, well, unless I have $3 million in deductions from something else, yeah. like I'm paying tax on that, right? Yeah. So that's the unsexy side of it. Um, so we haven't built, but definitely like a vertical that we're, that we're exploring. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I think it's very valuable to, for people to understand, you know, I, I'm sure people would hear this and they're like, this is a great way for me to invest in real estate. And it is like, there's a lot of great ways to invest in real estate, not, not to discourage or say there's anything I'm like, you've got my mind spinning. So I think that the fact is though, you have to look at it from all aspects. And, and one of the big benefits of real estate investing is your tax savings. And so it's like, like a lot of people get into real estate by flipping houses, but that doesn't actually save you any money on taxes. It's, it's actually still another job with, with uh, like you say, short-term capital gains. So it's, it's, it's a really, really good point because I think it's just kind of making sure that people understand all aspects of it and, and, where you can really benefit so it's uh i actually appreciate you bringing bringing that yeah. up because like like even in multifamily or storage or even if you're just buying residential rentals every single one of them even land have a active and a passive component right like i have a lot of friends and i love them <laughs> i don't know if they'll listen to this or not but they go around and they syndicate a lot of these apartment deals yeah. and i'm like that's great but that's active right? That is active income. It's the same thing as me going and doing a land deal, me going and flipping a house. Yep. It is active. You're taking fees. You're getting small right. percentages of yeah, the management. side like, of it. Yeah, for sure. Right. So like there's a lot of active or wholesaling in-house. Like mm -hmm. each niche has its active. For my investors, right, since I can't offer depreciation, like you can go raise money for an apartment deal and probably give like a seven or eight percent breath. And like, that's pretty standard, right? For me, I got to give like 15 plus percent to get somebody like, oh, what's this guy doing, right? Because I can't be like, and you get to write it all off, right? It's yeah. just 15. It's just a really good returning asset, right? right. But so, you don't get a lot of the benefits. So there's there's the different sides, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, 
it's just, it's just a brings up the really good point of, you know, if you're going to get involved in real estate investing, whether it's active or passive, you really need to know what that means for you, right? And if you're, if you're a passive investor, and you have a W-2 job, and you're, you're investing in multifamily, and they're handing you a K-1, and here are your passive losses, you can't mm -hmm. use them. You can't use them against your W-2 unless you have real estate professional status. So it's kind of like, people need to understand those things about it. Like, again, it doesn't mean that it's bad and those passive losses will get suspended and then you won't have to pay taxes when it sells. But it's like, it's just knowing that exactly what you're getting out of it, I think is a, is a huge important, know your goal and knowing what, what your, uh, you know, what that exact investment vehicle is getting you in, in that situation. Yeah. Like, you know, people will ask, and I'm sure, in a position you're in, people are like, well, how should I start? Like, should I go after these or should I go after these? And I'm like, dude, there's no perfect framework. Right. <laughs> like it depends on you, your work ethic, your level of tolerability for the, the, yeah. the nose and the risk, um, your income, how much money you have, like all these things are factors. Like people will come in and be like, man, I want to do land investing, but I only have like $5,000 to start in a mailer cost, you know, 70 cents or 60 cents or whatever well i can only mail three thousand, whatever right like no you can like pick your cell phone up and like call people right? right there's like a million different ways to skin this cat just because somebody said it on a podcast or they sold a course that says this yeah. everybody's situation is different and so you just got to understand where you are there and like how it plays in and honestly i like i feel like just taking action like what's that saying it's uh it's not timing the market it's time in the market right yep. you get in yep. the market and you figure it out right. <laughs> people are like how did you know how to do that that deal i just told you about where it was a million three i was like i didn't i had no clue it just came in and i was like i think we can do this i know i've only bought a property for 150,000 so far this one's 10x that yeah. i don't know we'll figure it yeah. out right? exactly yep you just, it, you just need to get started. And we've, yeah. I've talked about that particular point, maybe on almost every episode of this, but it's just like, <laughs> just get started because there are, like you said, there's so many different ways to, this wasn't a plan. Cat. It's <laughs> like, right. Exactly. No, 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 it's perfect. No, it's funny. I mean, I, you know, same example. Like I, I have a friend, uh, she was, she, <laughs> a few weeks back, she's like, Hey, you invest in real estate, right? Yes. And she's like, I'm, I think I'm going to buy a duplex. This is in California. Okay. And she's like, can you help me? I'm like, I mean, sort of like I get, what's your goal? Blah, blah, you know, and then, you know, kind of time went by and I, I periodically be like, did you find that duplex? And, and she's I like, got talking to her and I'm like, what do you want to manage? Do you want to manage tenants? And she's like, well, no, that can't be hard. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it can be hard. I'm like, do you want to manage tenants? And like, I'm like, why don't you just invest in syndication? Like, even if it's not with me, inv like invest with someone else and you'll, you can still make those returns and not have to do any of the work, but it's just, that's her situation. That's what's good for her. But people don't, you know, they're like, Oh, I want to invest in real estate because people say that's good, but you, you got to do a little more digging and figure out what's good for you because there are a million different ways to do it. So I think, you know, really, really great points that you've brought up, Clint. Um, I think on on that note, actually maybe a good good point to sort of switch gears a little bit here and we'll go into the segment where I ask you some questions. 
Sure. Um, the first one is I ask every guest, uh, obviously based on the name of the show being Know Your Why, but but what is your why? And you sort of sort of brought it up how you like that uh, being the name of the show. So what, what's your why? What what drives you? Yeah, that is an awesome question, and it's something I'm like I think here's my thesis on your why and your vision is that a lot of people think it's a set in stone like I need to inscribe it on a rock and carry this rock with me and here's my vision and what I found over the last five or six years is like your vision is your energy and your energy is elastic sometimes you're in heavy push seasons of life where you're earning and building and working and sometimes you're in pool seasons where you need a little more rest and a little more recovery and all that kind of stuff so you know I have a performance coach I work with just because I think everybody needs a coach in some level to get you out of your bs and like call you know call it how it is um and that's one thing we've been working through lately is like like i'll just give it to you straight i have been working pushing pushing for a decade basically right and i've always set goals from this and i promise i'm bringing this around but i've always set goals from this idea of like i need to get out of my job I need to pay off my loans I need to like earn income 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 right and at one point, like in the last, you know, six months, my coach was like, that income goal, like, why, like, you're not even happy about it. <laughs> like, most people look at a goal and they're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I can't wait to hit that. You're like, eh, I don't even know if I want to earn. It's like, why is that a goal? Right. So my vision and my why has kind of changed. You know, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I know things I love to do. Uh, I love to be with my family and my friends, my wife. I'm a pilot. I love to fly. I love to fish. I love to play golf. Um, I really love building leaders and like working with people. Like <laughs> my coach asked me the other day, he's like, you know, what's like your main goal with your company? And I'm like, to build leaders and to provide jobs. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, like I'd probably be in an RV, like in the middle of like, you know, Arizona or something, doing, doing something different. But I've just found like, I have the ability and I have the prowess and I have the mental fortitude to like build companies and earn income in ways that other people won't. And so kind of my high level goal is like in land, I want to be this, you know, this orb of like, whether you need help, you want to do a deal together, you need funding, like whatever it is. I want to be that one-stop shop, the CarMax of land, if you will, right? Yeah. But my vision for my life is very different. Like, I want to have, like, when I'm 27, right? I'll probably have kids in my 30s. Like, when I'm there, I want things different than how it was when I was a kid, with my parents, right? Working, all that kind of stuff. So I have, like, a vision board, and there's, like, 15 things on there, right? And it's really not even a vision board in the, like, you know... <laughs> the cutesy sense of it it's like here's outcomes I want in my life right I want to be able to support my wife as she transitions into her own business I want to go fishing 10 times this year I want to spend x amount of time with my dad and my mom so like I have objectives but how I think about it is like so many people focus on the income like how much money can I make and what I found over the last few years is like you know what's more important is the impact like what can you do? Who can you serve? How can you help? What kind of time can you give back? So really like, I want to live on my own terms, right? That's why this whole thing started. 
but I found out once you make like 200 grand, there's not really a hurt for money anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. And so things start becoming a lot more introspective. And it's really, man, I just want to like, I want to create jobs. I want to help people grow and learn and earn. Um, and I try not to keep it super like rigid. Like, what is my why? Right. Or what is my vision? It's like, it changes, man. Like a year ago, I wanted to build a $50 million land investing business. And like this year, I'm like, I want to do six great deals, <laughs> you know, six great deals with big spreads on them. So it kind of changes. Um, I don't know if that's an exact answer for you, but for anybody, I would suggest you got to have some sort of like the the impact the fun side what is that for you right like i realized for so long i never planned my fun never planned in my fishing trips or my skiing vacations or my anything it's like those were the afterthought it's like no you like you live like you got to live life you know what i mean so i want to live and then i also want to build businesses and like do land deals and maybe that's storage maybe that's whatever but yeah it's just generally be fulfilled and like you know put myself in a position to be there Fantastic. I mean, uh, so many good things there. Like one thing I think, and and I've realized this for myself that that your why definitely is evolving, right? It's very fluid. It's it, it different. Your why when you're 25, 35, 45, 55, going to be very different things. Life is different in those phases of life, you know, and, and it might even be a six month difference, something, you know, you have some, you have a child that changes things a lot. You have, you know, get married, that changes things a lot. You go through a divorce, that changes things like people just, and so you're, I think one of the things I loved about what you talked about is like, you know, in the beginning, it was like, here's, here's this number, right? I want to make this much passive income or this much income per month. And I did exactly the same thing because that's what everybody tells you to do. You have to have an objective, measurable goal. And what's what's more objective and measurable than I want this exact amount of money to mm-hmm. happen to me once a month? Like, like you can't you can't get much more rigid and, and objectified than that. But at the end of the day, like at some point you have enough money. And then it doesn't matter anymore, right? Then it matters, like you said, then you move on to impact and happiness. Right. And so it's like, that's, that's when it actually gets fun. Yeah. Like that's when it actually gets like your why can actually be meaningful. And cause, cause no person I've had on the show has ever been like, I say, what's your why? They're like, I just want rooms full of cash. Like nobody, (laughs) nobody cares about that. That's not like, that's not why people do it. It's like, you may start out cause you're like, look at these fabulously rich people, but I just got back from the best ever conference. The single best lecture there was he talked about the impact of the guys like he's got billions under management billions of assets under management he has a private plane all this stuff his entire 40 minute talk was on his impact his charitable work how he requires that of his employees like like that's the stuff that actually really matters and it's it's incredible to hear him it's incredible to hear you like that that's what that's what I love. That's why I, that's why I started this podcast because I love that part of the story. That's why I called it what I called it. Like all of this is just, uh, it, it really is what matters, right? It's, it's like money's awesome, but it's a tool to be able to have an impact. So, uh, I, I loved your answer. So don't, don't, don't ever apologize. A lot of people are like, I don't know, is that the right answer? I'm like, there's no, <laughs> this is not a, this is not a right or wrong question. Like, dude, uh, I'm just as unsure. Like I'm just as curious as to where I'll be in five years as you are. So right. I just try yeah. to be like right now, 
what can I do to improve my family's life, my employee's life? Like, like one thing that I love, and I, I kind of touched on this, but is like my team, right? Like one of my employees used to be making, I think it was $38,000 a year. He worked 55, 60 hours a week manually, like roasting coffee, yeah. right? And he came into our org and like last year made 150 grand, right? Uh, and within our organization, we're starting an investment pool with our employees so that you can build your income. And like, they, there's just so many cool things you can do. Like I had um, one of my clients the other day, he, uh, I just, I guess, give all the context. He's like a, you know, big church guy and all that stuff. And I'm not going to go either way on that. But like, he said to me at one point, he's like, man, I'm making three, like two, three hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, I'm good. I'm just like, I don't need to grow it anymore. I don't need this, that. And I just I like to poke and prod and be like, how much more impact could you make in your church with $3 million? Right? Like there's just physical things you can't do that right. you can do with money. And so, you know, at some point, once your needs are satisfied and there's no overlooking that, like you've got to go through that period of pain and hardship to like get to that point. But once you kind of come out on the other side, it's like, man, I just, I can make 500k or 500 million this year. And like, I really, maybe those are large differences, but like I could make relatively (laughs) large spreads and not really care either way. Right. Right. Yeah. I, no, I totally agree. I think, I I mean, it's, it's exciting when you start to be able to look at what, you know, like when I, when I'm hiring people, I don't, I really want them to, to be a part of the, the business and the growth of the business. I don't want to just, you know, it's like, you know, people often like, this is how much I want to make an hour. Like, okay, sure. I don't even care about that. Like, that's not the point. Like the point is, are you excited to grow the business and be, you know, at, get to the point where you don't have an hourly wage, you're, you're impacting so much that you're just, you're part of the business creates value and, and you get compensated for it. So uh, yeah, all, all really cool. And I, I agree hundred percent. Um, second question, Clint, tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, uh, special skill, you know, some, some hobby that you'd like to learn anything that, that maybe not everybody knows about you. Yeah. Um, I would use the pilot thing, but I already like dropped it. So. <laughs> um, when I was in college, I was a semi-professional Texas Holden poker player. Wow. I traveled to tournaments. I followed the World Series of Poker around. When I was a sophomore in college or junior, one of the two, I cashed like a $58,000 from a, from a poker event. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, like this guy's rich and all this. And yeah. the truth is poker is literally just as much of a grind as everything else. It's like most of the time you sit at your table and you know there's just specific because you're not playing the house you're playing other people when you're playing so there's actual strategy that can get you that can make you profitable but it's so unsexy it's like that strategy means you sit at a table for six hours and if you do it right you'll grind out like 50 bucks an hour right and I learned how to play cards when I was in on the golf team in high school and I literally paid my way through college just by playing poker um and so I don't play as much as I used to but you know I love Texas Hold'em and I love honestly I love gambling going to the casinos all sorts of stuff within reason gamble responsibly all the things right right. yeah yeah um, but uh, no you gotta have that you gotta be willing to lose some money that's that's yeah that's the rule you gotta have some money to lose not even be willing (laughs) right exactly exactly sports gambling yes yes 
that's yes. what I that's what I enjoy. I mean, not like not seriously, but I don't. I, one of my very good friends, we we're like <clears throat> we bet on little side bets all the time, uh, play oh, fantasy football, gosh. that kind of thing. It's just like we have we have long-standing bets on like like guys that get drafted in the same class who's going to be better nice. like which one we think it's just like stuff that like we honestly don't even remember what the bet was but it's like it's just the bragging rights part of it but yeah it's, it's more more on sports for me I, I don't think i would be I, I would definitely lose money as a card player so but that's that's actually really really cool um <laughs> next question what uh once people hear this, they're interested uh, in maybe connecting, what's the best way to reach you? And we'll put whatever you like in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Um, we just launched a new podcast. So if you want to check that out, that's cool. Uh, it's called Happy Land Pod. It's unfortunately, if you're looking for land investing, not about land investing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really a kind of a function of a lot of what we've talked about. It's like, it's really a collection of my thoughts and like introspections on what makes you happy on this journey of becoming an investor. All the episodes are between five and 10 minutes. So you just, you can knock them out on the car ride and your AirPods, whatever. Um, but I've really enjoyed building that. So it's called happy land, one word, happy land pod. You can search it on all platforms and find it. If you want to learn about land investing, we have a Facebook group. It's called learn land university, just like it sounds learn land university. Uh, you can jump in there. We have a course. We have all the things, right? Um, but that's probably the best place where you'll you know, figure out who I am and learn about our products and you know some things along those lines. And otherwise, just follow me on social media. I, you know, I'm not a big social guy, but we do put clips out and we do things, and I'm sure you'll learn something. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay, we'll get that stuff in the show notes. Final question, Clint, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is sort of starting in their real estate journey, uh, you know, looking for a nugget of wisdom as far as how to, how to be successful? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the unsexy, like one of my online business coaches would be like, you need to tell them that they can make a hundred grand. And then it's like, nope, that's not my answer. It's like, adjust your timeline, adjust your time horizon, right? I tried to, like we talked at the beginning, I tried to rush out of my job as fast as humanly possible. And if I just had good guidance, the right people in front of me telling me the right things, I would have probably hit, you know, let's just call it a level of wealth or wherever I'm at right now, probably in half the time. Like literally I've looked at it, I could probably do it in half the time. But I was real, like had to show it to everybody. Like everyone at work, you know, I was investor this and that. And yeah. It's like your time horizon needs to be so much longer. I talk about this with all my clients. It's that, and it's probably different in multifamily. It's probably a lot longer, but in land, from the time you have an idea of like, I'm going to go target this property to the time you run your marketing, you get sellers, you buy their property and you turn around and do whatever you need to do and sell it. It's like six months, right? And yet people think in a year, I'm going to be making $200,000 a year. And I'm like, dude, you've only had two, two tries. <laughs> like you've really only had two, two goes at it in yeah. a year because of the cycle. And so it's like consistency is the name of the game in every real estate, in every real estate niche. Like I'm starting to get into storage quite a bit. And what would you know? It's the exact same mechanics as land. Find owners, market to them consistently, try and do deals and learn. Right. And so like adjust that, like, ah, oh, and like use that fire, man, run with it, do as much as you can, but don't like adjust. I went through a 
really bad phase of anxiety and depression when I was in that job. And it's all because of like all these people on social media, I should be a, this, that, blah, 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 right? all those voices and things you yeah. hear. It's like, man, if I just give myself like a little more grace, <laughs> give myself one, two, three, five years to figure this thing out versus saying, man, I got to be out of here in 12 months or whatever it is. I would have been so much happier and i think in the long run i would have like made a lot more and been farther but still happy with the journey happy where we are it's the, just the time horizon that'd be my no I, I think that's great i think what so saying this is that you you overestimate what you can do in a year but underestimate what you can do in five or something to that effect and it's like 100%. it's very true it's like you you because once you it takes a little bit to get going but once you get going the velocity the momentum it, it really carries you. And so then it's like, it just becomes faster, easier, whatever you, you know, whatever you want to call it, you're more confident, all of that just, you know, kind of, it, it makes more sense. But in the beginning, you have to, like you said, cut yourself a little bit of slack and, <laughs> and realize that it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to get started in. There's very, there's very little that's worth doing that is easy to get started in. So it's kind of just, you know, you got to ride it out for a little bit, hang in there. But once you do, it, it'll be worth it. Like embrace the suck. Like it's yeah. going to suck. Yeah. If you're just getting exactly. started, you're going to like spend money. You're going to get no's. You're going to get told you're an idiot. You're going to get told yeah. like really special things like from letters and things you send out. It's like, man, all that is just part of the journey. And if you stay consistent, if you stay consistent. Like I know a guy who really consistent like really couldn't like could not get a deal for like two years mm -hmm. and just stayed in our communities really stayed consistent with it and last year he made like a million three and i was like what changed man he's like nothing i just like didn't stop just kept yeah, yeah. right didn't give up yeah. yeah he's like he's like i probably missed a hundred deals along the way because i didn't know what i was doing but whatever we're here and we did right. it right yeah. so it's like just stick with it like I tell my clients, get ready for a bunch of punches in the stomach because they're coming, right? And then, you know, have fun, enjoy it. That's fantastic advice. Uh, Clint, this was awesome. Really, really great talk. I think, uh, like I said, first first land deal investor on the show, but but more importantly, I think just a lot of your your mindset stuff and everything is, is great. Uh, really great, actionable sort of like... <laughs> tidbits of how to how to really uh, change your mind change your mindset you know kind of focus on these sorts of things and getting started so thank you again for all your time well thanks for having me i really appreciate it absolutely all right we'll go ahead and sign out thank you everyone i'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.